0: morning sorry Joe couldn't help that (laughs) great to see you all here this morning if you are a visitor again it's great to have you with us if you're from overseas from France from wherever you happen to be from this morning it's great to see you all this morning it really is great to have visitors from all over the world uh, with us here just demonstrating the fact that the church is a worldwide family wherever people know and love Jesus and they gather together that's his body his people gathering wherever they're from Now last summer, uh, Daniel and I had a father and son road trip to the Royal International Air Tattoo down at RAF Fairford in Gloucestershire. And it's the biggest air show in the world, it's amazing. And we saw some absolutely amazing aircraft. You'll see how kind of sad and geeky I am. We we saw some tornadoes, we saw a World War II flying fortress, we saw some typhoons, we saw an F-35, we saw a World War II Mustang, we saw a U-2 spy plane and of course the Red Arrows which you have to have at every air show. And here's a picture of Daniel at the RAF regiment stand doing some press-ups with a fully loaded Army Bergen on his back wearing body armour in 95 degree heat. I did try to find the picture of me doing it but for some reason it... it, <laughs> it, it Google pictures wouldn't link for, uh, for me this morning anyway. But because it's such a massive air show with over 200,000 people actually attending uh, over the weekend, trying to get there is really, really difficult. It's a kind of major exercise trying to get to the air show. You can drive, but you then have to queue for hours and hours before you actually get in. And then you have to queue again on foot to actually get in as well with your tickets. Or you can do what we did, which is use the official park and ride scheme. So we got to Cheltenham Racecourse at the crack of dawn. We had a Cheeky McDonald's on the way. Got to, uh, Rob's nodding, that's good, absolutely. Can't beat a Cheeky McDonald's. We got to, ch- we got to Cheltenham Racecourse, crack of dawn, and then boarded one of the park and ride double dagger buses, which we had to uh, pay extra for. And then off we went on what should have been a 45-minute journey to RAF Fairford. However, it soon emerged that the bus driver had little idea where he was going. And at one point, we'd finally got to within about two miles of the air strip, and you could see RAF Fairford in the distance. The, the planes were kind of—you could hear the planes—all the rest of it. And we drove down the, these really narrow lanes. RAF Fairford's in the middle of nowhere in, in uh, Wiltshire, and it's all these really little tiny villages and, t- and, and tiny little lanes. And we got to this one little fork in the road, and there was a sign which said "Buses for Air Show Park and Ride this way." As we continue to drive this way, and We eventually got into this little village which was way too small for a double-decker bus and it was obvious that we'd gone the wrong way and we all knew that and the bus driver eventually kind of accepted the fact that he'd gone the wrong way and then he attempted a many-point turn with this massive double-decker bus in this tiny little Wiltshire Cotswold village and he only just missed reversing into a car and it was only because somebody in the village came running out and started shouting at the driver of the bus and it was just, it was an utter disaster, it was a total shambles and by this time the flying display had already started. Dan and I were starting to get a little bit w- annoyed, spent all this money, and we were missing some of the aircraft uh, in the display. And we would have seen them, we would have been there on time if our bus driver had gone the right way. Well eventually we did make it, we had a fantastic day, but the bus journey was all just a bit of a shambles. The whole, me- the whole sit- uh, uh, setup was just a complete disaster. And even on the way home, even though we had a different driver this time. We got to the uh, the A419 and you can either go right, which was the way everybody knew you had to go, or you can go left, which heads down to the M4. Our bus driver attempted to turn left and someone on the bus said, no, wrong way. And still, this was the bus driver, we paid for this, still had no idea where she was going. When you're trying to get somewhere important, especially if you don't know the way, then it really is crucial, isn't it, that you get something or, or, or someone that can give you accurate directions. And and when you've been given accurate directions, it's really important that you then follow them. You don't just have the directions and then ignore them and do your own thing. And if you're gonna entrust your journey to someone else, like our bus driver, then you wanna make sure that they're reliable, that they're trustworthy, that they can do what you are expecting them to do. I would never trust either of those bus drivers again if I ever saw them, despite the fact that they were working for one of the UK's biggest uh, bus operators, which I obviously won't name for legal reasons. Life is a little bit like a journey. There's a start and there's an end to it. And it's important that we follow the right directions in life, otherwise we'll end up in the wrong place. The Bible tells us that at the end of our lives, we will find ourselves in one of either two destinations. We'll either spend eternity with God, enjoying Him and His love forever, or we'll spend eternity separated from God, separated from all that's good, being punished for our sins in what the Bible calls hell and what what decides where we'll spend eternity is what we choose to do with jesus in this life what you do with jesus in this life decides where you spend eternity the bible says this there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death most people sadly in this world choose the way that seems right to them which involves rejecting jesus but in the end it leads to physical and more importantly it leads to spiritual death and spiritual death means eternal separation from God and from his love and from all that is good Jesus on the other hand said these words I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so if we want to find the right way in life if we want to spend eternity with God enjoying his love then we need to surrender our lives to Jesus and we need to put him in charge put him in charge of our lives of your life of my life he is the way he is the truth he is the life and we can either drive our own bus as it were and end up lost or we can ask Jesus to come into our lives surrender our lives to him and we can put him in control so that we end up spending eternity with God rather than being separated from him forever and as we start this new year I want to challenge you this morning where are you headed to is it eternity with God or Are you headed to eternity in what the Bible calls hell? The biggest question you will ever answer in life is which destination you are headed to. Everything else is superfluous. Everything else is of no interest really when it comes to that question. Where will you spend eternity? And if you haven't, then will you surrender your life to Jesus? Ask him to be in charge of your life. Put him in charge of your life. And in the process receive that wonderful amazing eternal relationship with God now we're starting a new series here on Sunday mornings at Regent looking at the nation of Israel in the Old Testament of the Bible as they made their way on their big journey from Egypt in the promised land over a period of 40 years from 1444 to uh, 1404 BC they went from Egypt to the promised land over this period of 40 years And last year in our preaching series, we saw how God led Israel out of Egypt under the leadership of Moses and how he gave them what we would call, and what what the Bible calls, the law of Moses. Which was a whole package of rules and regulations for how they were to live as a nation. And that, of course, included the Ten Commandments. God had chosen the nation of Israel to be his special people here on earth and to be the nation that he had entered into this special agreement or covenant with. And we saw last year as we went through uh, Exodus, we saw how God had told Moses to build this portable temple, which was called the tabernacle. And the, the tabernacle was to be right at the centre of their massive camp. This is a picture of what it would look like. This is a full-size model, and it was to be where they, as a people, as a nation, all two and a half million plus of them, it was where they would worship God as they were on this journey towards the Promised Land. It would where they they would offer animal sacrifices to deal with their sins. And after they came out of Egypt, they traveled south. You can see it on the map there. They traveled south right down into uh, what is now the Sinai uh, Peninsula. It's right down to the south of what is modern-day Israel. They spent just over one year camped there. As they received all these instructions from God via Moses and then as they built the tabernacle and all the furniture that went inside and so on and then one month after the tabernacle had been completed this is about 11 months sorry 13 months after they left Egypt God told them that it was time to start their journey north towards the land that he had promised them and the passage that we're looking at this morning is all about the beginning of this journey it tells us how God guided them every single day step by step for what ended up being 40 years and we'll find out in the coming weeks why it ended up being 40 years and not just a few weeks so let's read from Numbers chapter 9 we're going to read Numbers chapter 9 and we're going to read verse 15 to 23 if you've got a bible handy and you want to turn with me you can do that or you can just listen uh, as I read it this morning so Numbers chapter 9 I'm going to read from verse 15 to the end of uh, chapter 9 It says this on the day the tabernacle the tent of the testimony or the tent of the covenant was set up the cloud covered it From evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. That is how it continued to be. The cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. Wherever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. At the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at his command they they encamped. As long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. When the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, The Israelites Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days. The Lord's command they would encamp and then at his command they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning and when it lifted in the morning they set out. Whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. Whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted they would set out. At the Lord's command they encamped and at the Lord's command they set out. They obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. So the very day that the tabernacle, this amazing tent that functioned as a portable tent for the people of Israel was set up, a pillar of cloud came down on top of it from God. God sent this pillar of cloud from heaven to to, to kind of settle right there above the tabernacle and then at nighttime this pillar of cloud turned into a pillar of fire verse 15 says this on the day the tabernacle the tent of the testimony was set up the cloud covered it from evening till morning the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire and it probably looked something like this by day this is probably this is a picture of probably something like this with this pillar of cloud during the daytime and then at nighttime it probably looked something like this with the the pillar of cloud had turned into a pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud and fire was there to symbolize God's presence. The cloud sheltered them by day from the sun. They were out there in the desert with in, in, intense temperatures. And then the fire would illuminate the whole camp uh, at nighttime and give them warmth. The Bible tells us that there were at least 2.5 million people in this camp. This is this whole nation on, on the move. Twelve tribes or clans of Israel, each one camped in a particular place around the tabernacle at the center each with their own place that they had to camp in two and a half million people so as all the people would look out of their tents they would be able to see the pillar of cloud in the distance or if at night time they'd be able to see the pillar of fire and they would know that God was there God was with them God was right there at the center of their camp God was right there at the center of their nation and let me read in chapter 10 verse 11 on the 20th day of the second month of the second year the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle of the testimony then the Israelites set out from the desert of Sinai and traveled from place to place until the cloud came to rest in the desert of Paran and the people of Israel had to follow the pillar of cloud as God led them on this great and epic journey from Israel Egypt initially uh, down to Sinai and then as as the cloud came down at Sinai all the way up to the promised land Numbers 9 verse 17 says whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent the Israelites set out wherever the cloud settled the Israelites encamped Numbers chapter 10 tells us that each of the twelve tribes were appointed a place in a great big long line so as they began to move as they packed up their camp and, and followed the cloud they each had their own place and the tabernacle and the contents of the tabernacle, such as the Ark of the Covenant, were carried kind of in the middle of this big, long procession to protect it from any attacks around them. And the priests had to summon the whole nation by uh, blowing special trumpets that God had told Moses to make. And this was how God led the people of Israel. And he showed them where to go day by day as a whole nation. And they were totally dependent on God to do this they were totally reliant on this pillar of cloud which was God's symbol of his presence they had no idea where they were going and they needed God to guide them each step of the way every single day all they knew was that God was taking them north to the land that he had promised them and it must have been a phenomenal sight mustn't it can you imagine waking up in the morning and seeing this great big supernatural pillar of cloud this is not normal this is not natural this is a miracle It's a supernatural event that God is doing. And at night time to look out of your tent if you wake up in the middle of the night and not to see streetlights but to see a pillar of cloud. And it must have been a great comfort them to know that this pillar of cloud and fire was there because they knew that God was with them, that he was leading them and he was guiding them. This morning if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus to be our Lord and Saviour then we know that our final destination is sorted. We'll spend eternity with God, enjoying God and enjoying his love. But the actual route that he's taking us, for each one of us, will be a slightly different route. The route, the eternal destiny is certain and we know where we're going, but the, the route on the way will be different for you and it'll be different for me. And it's often unclear to us. We often can't see much further than kind of around the next bend. We only know kind of what lies ahead for the next few weeks or months. We don't know what the big picture is. We don't know where God's taking us, where he's leading us the Bible compares us as followers of Jesus to the people of Israel who were on their way to the promised land and just as the desert wasn't their home so this world isn't our home we're just passing through we're just strangers we're just pilgrims heading towards our eternal destination and that's why we shouldn't put down strong roots in this world it's meaningless and pointless to spend loads of money on this world when actually we're just passing through we're only here temporarily and as we make our way through this life We need God to lead us and guide us because just like the people of Israel were we are also a chosen people and we're heading to our eternal destination and we need God to lead us and guide us just as he did for the nation of Israel but unlike the nation of Israel we don't have this enormous big pillar of cloud or this enormous big pillar of fire we don't have that we're not a whole nation on the move be great if we did wouldn't it maybe if you, you know as you went out tomorrow there was a pillar of cloud to follow and that, and that told you where to go and all the rest of it but that's not the way that God has chosen to lead us we're not a whole nation of people traveling through the Middle East from one part to another instead God has given us something or, or someone far better he's given us the Holy Spirit the apostle paul writing in the new testament says this those who are led by the spirit of god are the children of god those who are led by the spirit of god are the children of god when we trust in jesus when we surrender our lives to him we receive the holy spirit into our lives and he comes and he lives within us and we're adopted then as god's children and then the holy spirit leads us day by day And our task as children of God, if we put our trust in Jesus, our task as children of God is to find out what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Where is he leading us? How is he leading us? And then to do what he says to us to do. He doesn't force us to do it, and sometimes we'll ignore him, and God is gracious when we mess up, and that's fantastic. But our task is to try and find out what is it the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Paul says this in Galatians, and Stuart mentioned this verse last week. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside every single believer in Jesus. He's made us spiritually alive in Christ and he's connected us to God himself. Our spirit, your spirit, if you've trusted in Jesus, is now eternally one, is eternally united to the Holy Spirit. So now that we live by the Spirit, in other words, the means by which we are now spiritually alive and connected to God, we also need to then keep in step with the Spirit. That's how we live. The, r- the very reason I am spiritually alive is because the Spirit lives within me. but I now need to keep in step with Him. A- and we need to lead Him wherever he lead- sorry, we need to follow Him wherever He leads us, wherever He wants us to go, even if sometimes the places or the things He wants us to do are not the things that we would always choose to do. God's path for us isn't always the same as our choice for our lives. But the Holy Spirit will always take us on the best route. The Holy Spirit always has the perfect plan for your life and my life even if we don't always in initially share the excitement that the Holy Spirit has for us. Sometimes we're a little bit kind of worried about where the next step is and we might not always share that 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 desire to do that, but the Holy Spirit knows what is best for us and he always leads us the right way. The Israelites had to go wherever God led them using this pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire and we need to follow the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit who lives within us but how does the Holy Spirit guide us well it can be in a variety of ways it's probably not there's no reason why it couldn't be because God is God but it's probably not gonna be a pillar of cloud or fire but I think as we look through the Bible we can see six key ways that the Holy Spirit guides us according to the New Testament of the Bible And I've put these on your outline for you. so There should be an outline near your seat uh, and they'll be up on the screen as well. And I've put Bible references to each one of these six ways so that you can look them up in your own time and you can see that I'm not making it up. uh, This is actually biblical. And these are true for us as individuals, they're true for us as family units as we seek to lead our families, particularly us as husbands, our job is to spiritually lead and be the, the, the spiritual leaders of our homes and of our families. And then us as, of us as a church, we, we have three elders here whose job it is to lead the church, and as a family we, we're on a journey together as a church. And these, these principles of guidance are true for us as individuals, they're true for us as families, and they're true for us as a church family. Firstly, he does it through Bible teaching. As we listen to or we read personally what the Bible teaches, the Holy Spirit will draw our attention to or remind us of things that the Bible teaches that we need to know. For instance, you might be struggling with your work or with your boss or with your working conditions at work and you're, and you're having a really tough time in the workplace. And, and then on Sunday in church, you hear some Bible teaching from Colossians 3, which says this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And That would be the Holy Spirit speaking to us and guiding us about our behavior. So no matter how bad it is at work, we're to work as if we're working for Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through Bible teaching. Sometimes as we're reading a Bible passage, not only will God speak in general terms, like that kind of, fr- sort of situation for instance, but he might speak to us through a very specific verse about something very specific in our lives. Many years ago, I was considering leaving my job, and I was considering going into full-time Christian work, and there was one morning I was uh, really kind of praying and just really struggling with the reality of, of, of kind of leaving my job behind and, and giving certain things up. And then that morning as I read my Bible, I read these words from Colossians chapter 1 and I've never forgotten them this moment. And that is why I really know and believe this was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And these words just jumped out and hit me, slapped me around the face. He is before all things. As I wrestled with, did I want to leave my job behind and, and good pay and conditions and a pension and a career and all that kind of thing. He is before all things. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me about the importance of being obedient to him and putting him before worldly things. And stepping out in faith and putting Jesus first, even though it meant quitting my job. The Holy Spirit also speaks through the gift of prophecy where he gives a a person a prophetic message to pass under somebody that that could be a, a prophecy or what the bible calls a message of knowledge or a message of wisdom and these are all very similar now we have to be careful with this means of guidance because it can be abused and so the bible has some very very clear guidelines and instructions for its use prophecy should always be weighed up they should never just be taken at face value they should be tested they should be prayed through especially by the elders of a church before being acted upon and Paul teaches that in 1 Corinthians 14. But prophecy is nevertheless one of the ways in which the Holy Spirit guides individuals, guides families, and guides churches as we live by the Spirit. And I certainly receive prophecies in my life from the Holy Spirit that have, that have come via other people to me, and I've also received prophecies from the Holy Spirit that I've been able to pass on to others as well. And when a person receives a prophecy, usually it kind of comes in the form of a picture or perhaps... Very clear words as they're praying that that come into their mind. If you want to know more about that, then do come and chat with me afterwards. The Holy Spirit also leads us through and by our circumstances. And when he does that, it makes us take responsibility and use our brains. Rather than just kind of expecting God to write something in the sky and tell us what to do, God also expects us to engage our brains and, and kind of think through the circumstances and situations that we're in we sometimes and I think rightly use the expression pushing the door to see if it opens meaning that we kind of step forward in a situation praying that if if this is God's will God will open the door the situation will open up for us and if it's not he'll close the door and he'll make it really clear to us that we're not meant to do whatever it happens to be Luke tells us in Acts chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit prevented the missionary team that he was part of going into a new area called Bithynia to preach the gospel and we don't know what that preventing what by the Holy Spirit looked like Luke doesn't tell us it might be that one of their horses got lame it might be that the weather was bad one of them got sick or maybe the chariot broke we don't know but Luke concluded that it was the Holy Spirit who prevented them from going into Bithynia despite what they were planning on doing being a good thing they were going to go there and preach but the Holy Spirit prevented them and that's because the Holy Spirit had different plans for them And those different plans were revealed that very night, if you can look at this in Acts 16, when Paul went to sleep, he had a vision in his sleep of a man from what is now Greece saying, come on over here and help us and bring the the good news of Jesus to us. And so that very next morning, Luke writes, and so we, we packed up, we concluded that the Spirit had called us there, and off we went there. And so they went somewhere else because the Holy Spirit was calling them there. So the Holy Spirit can also speak to us through dreams and through visions. And I've experienced this myself when I've had dreams about people. Not very often, but on a a number of occasions, I've had a really strong sense that I needed to do something as a result of a dream. I woke up and I couldn't get the dream out of my head. Normally, my dreams are complete nonsense, random, crazy stuff. And within a few minutes, they, they kind of disappeared out of my head and I can't remember what they were, which is probably a good thing but on a number of occasions i've really been and, and really been impre- like impacted with the dream and it hasn't gone away and i can still remember them vividly to this day on one occasion i had a dream about an old colleague of mine so i as a result of that dream sent him some gospel literature in the post which was the very which was what the dream was kind of imploring me to do clearly suggesting that i did on another occasion i ignored a dream and I've always regretted it I dreamt I had another dream about an old boss from when I was in customs and in the dream he was sick and he was dying and I should have made contact with him after that d- dream because I knew where he lived but I didn't for a variety of not very good reasons to my shame and it wasn't long after that that I discovered that he had been ill when I had that dream and then he'd subsequently died and that was me not following the prompting of the Holy Spirit to my shame and I will always regret that. What I should have done was make contact with him and try and share the gospel with him, no matter how difficult or awkward that would have been in those particular circumstances, but I didn't. Claire and I have also been on the receiving end of the Holy Spirit giving other people dreams about us. Way back in 1998, before we had told anybody that we were planning to leave our jobs and go to Bible college, specifically in Scotland, a friend of Claire's mum down in their church in London had a dream that we were indeed to go to Bible college in Scotland. She went and told Claire's mum, and Claire's mum says, well, actually yeah they've just told us that this is what they're going to do she had no idea what we were doing and that was because the holy spirit had god had given that to her and that was one of the means by which really encouraged claire and i that we were doing god's will and then lastly the holy spirit sometimes and, and perhaps o- often gives us a really strong inner conviction that something is just right or wrong we, we can't explain it we just know it that the holy spirit has spoken to us sometimes it might be an audible vice that's never happened to me but that might have happened to you but I've certainly had incredibly strong kind of desires or or convictions to do something that has been given to me by the Holy Spirit and I knew that it was the Holy Spirit because what I was often being led to do made no sense from a human point of view it was often going to be costly to me or difficult or awkward and yet there was a real strong burden in my heart that this was what the Holy Spirit was calling me to do. what i should just say is that the holy spirit will never contradict himself so if you think the holy spirit is telling you to do something through any of those six means or or more than them if he's telling you to do something and, and what he's telling you to do is sinful then that's not the holy spirit if, if what you think the Holy Spirit is calling you to do or leading you to do is sinful, then it is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never contradict himself. We should always take whatever we think the Holy Spirit might be saying and check it against the Bible because the Holy Spirit will never contradict what he's already said in his word. And, and it's always good as well um, to, to talk to other people, particularly maybe church elders, people that we respect and people who are older in the faith than ourselves and, and, and share what we believe God is saying to us. They look. They might be wrong, but it's always good to at least get wise counsel and get other people's input as well. Now I wonder this morning if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you recently about something. Or maybe he is speaking to you right now about something this morning. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you today? Has he been speaking to you recently? If he has been, if he is, what are you going to do about it? It's lovely to think about the theology and all the nice stories and all in the Bible and all the rest of it about God speaking. But if he's speaking, what are you going to do about it? That's what really matters, isn't it? If the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you directly or indirectly, then can I encourage you to be obedient to whatever it is that he's saying to you? In Numbers 9.22, we read these words, Whenever the cl- sorry, whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out. But when it lifted, they would set out. Sometimes the cloud would move every day, but at other times the cloud would stay for a month or even a whole year. A- and they just had to sit patiently and wait for God's timing for the cloud to move. And sometimes in our lives the Holy Spirit is regularly speaking to us on a kind of daily basis and and leading us into new things on a on a regular basis. But at other times he can be silent in terms of leading and guiding. And, And for reasons we don't understand at the time, he keeps us in the situation that we're in, even though we might want to move on ourselves. And just as waiting for the pillar of cloud to move must have really tested the faith and the patience of the Israelites. So waiting on the Holy Spirit for us can really test our faith and our patience. But God doesn't work to our time scale or to our calendar. God's outside of time. And God's ways and his timing are always perfect. God's ways and his timing for your life is always perfect. We might want that job or that relationship or that qualification or that change of circumstance. We might want that right now or within at least the next few weeks or months. But sometimes the Holy Spirit keeps us where we are for a whole period of time, sometimes weeks, months, years, even decades, because there's things that we need to learn that we can only learn and grow in if we stay where we are. Sometimes he keeps us where we are because we're not ready yet for what he's got in store for us in the next chapter of our life. So we have to trust him and wait on his perfect timing. So this morning, as I draw to a close, I wonder what, firstly, your eternal destination will be. Have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered your life to Him? And are you therefore going to spend eternity with God, enjoying Him and His love because you've surrendered your life to Jesus? Or are you rejecting Jesus? If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, then are you now living by the Spirit and are you keeping in step with the Spirit? Are you living by the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit and are you following where he's leading you is the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning has he been speaking to you recently about a step that he wants you to take or steps that he wants you to take be they big or small and if so will you be obedient to the Holy Spirit and follow his leading and his guidance wherever the Holy Spirit leads us will always be the best path for us it might be uncomfortable for us it might be difficult for us we might not want to do it but God is for us he is not against us and he will always lead us the best way God is on your side he's on my side he has your best interests at heart even if we're afraid of what lies ahead God's plans are perfect his ways are perfect and if he's keeping you where you are right now even though you want to move on then can I encourage you to keep on trusting his perfect timing But if he's calling you to something new, if he's prompting you, even if it's just to go and have a conversation with someone or to do something, it might seem trivial. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, then can I encourage you to be obedient to his steps. Let's just take a few moments to bow our heads, to pause, to reflect, to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us this morning. what's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning will you be obedient to his voice gonna pray and then we're gonna sing Waymaker together father we come to you we thank you for the way in which you led the people of Israel through the desert thank you that you led them supernaturally miraculously with that pillar of cloud and pillar of fire father we thank you for an even greater reality which is your spirit living in us holy spirit we pray that you would lead us and guide us day by day as you do help us to be awake to your voice alert to your voice help us to listen most importantly father would you help us to be obedient to you help us to do the things that you're calling us to do and to not do the things that you're telling us not to do. Help us to be obedient to your voice, we pray. Thank you that you there is a way that you lead us in. Thank you that you make a way for us. Thank you that you are working in our lives. And we thank you for this. We thank you that you are intimately involved in every aspect of our lives. and You long to lead us. You long to lead us to, that e- to our eternal destination where we'll spend eternity with you. And as we wait in the meantime, help us to take each step in accordance with your spirit we pray this in jesus name amen